Please take your Bibles and turn with me uh, to the book of Acts and uh, chapter number 20. Uh, During my my time of meditating for the past few weeks and studying on the subject of walking humbly before the Lord, I was looking at each word in the Bible, Old and New Testament, that has that word in it, and there are quite a few, uh, and people who are great examples of true humility that God is pleased with. Of course, Jesus Christ being the greatest one, but there is another one, and that would be the Apostle Paul. He made a statement, though, that really kind of captured my my mind. So I had to study it out, and and I think what it does is it brings some balance uh, to and 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 more of a clarity of what humility is in the eyes of God. Man always has ways of redefining some things that God has said. There's a way that seems right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. So if you look in Acts chapter 20, notice a phrase he makes here. But let's begin in verse 17. This is where he is stopping and asking the leaders of the church at Ephesus where he has spent some three years establishing a church there. And he's asking them, the elders, to meet with him for he has some things to tell them knowing that he will never see them again. So in verse 17... So if you know you're not going to see someone again and there's no way to call them, you know, no way to communicate with them back in those days, uh, you know, you're going to be very sincere and very sure about your words. So here he says in verse 17, And from Miletus he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church. And when they were come to him, he said unto them, You know, from the first day that I came unto Asia, after what manner I have been with you at all seasons. Now look at verse 19. Serving the Lord with all humility of mind. When I saw that, I said, why would a humble person say something to a group of people about having a mind that is filled with humility. Now, you've heard the statement, you know, sometimes people are proud of their humility. I don't think Paul's guilty of that right here. I think he's being honest. I think he is uh, letting them know, he's talking to them about some things in his life, and he proves it by what the way he lives. Uh, let me con- contrast, I think, humility of mind with a worldly mind. Okay, and I think it's easy to do. I heard uh, this song several years ago. I'm going to read the lyrics to it. I've heard it by Frank Sinatra, and I've heard it by Elvis Presley. And when you hear them sing it, it appeals to the flesh. But it is a song that is completely opposite of someone who has a mind filled with humility and one who is interested in pleasing God. But we like it because our flesh likes it. And it's, it's called My Way. And here's what it says. It says, And now the end is near, and so I face the final curtain. My friend, I'll say it clear. I'll state my case, of which I'm certain. I've lived a life that's full. I've traveled each and every highway. And more, much more than this, I did it my way. Regrets, I've had a few. But then again, too few to mention. I did what I had to do and saw it through without exemption. 
I planned each charted course, each careful step along the way, and more, much more than this, I did it my way. Yes, there were times, I'm sure you knew, when I bit off more than I could chew, but through it all, when there was doubt, I ate it up and spit it out. I faced it all, I stood tall and did it my way. I've loved, I've laughed and cried, I've had my fill, my share of losing, and now as tears subside, I find it all so amusing to think I did all that, and may I say, not in a shy way, oh no, oh no, not me, I did it my way. The last stanza, he says, for what is man, and what has he got? If not himself, then he has not. To say the things he truly feels, and not the words of one who kneels. The records show I took the blows and did it my way. Yes, it was my way. When you read that and you hear that song, it is absolutely embodiment of human pride. And that if, if the adversary had a song that he had written in heaven, this would be the words to his song. And so he'll choose a, a music and a handsome man like uh, Frank Sinatra or Elvis Presley to play it to millions of people uh, to implore for them to do things their way rather than his way. And so when you talk about humility of mind, what you're saying is really these guys are saying that I'm like the devil and it's my will instead of being like the Lord Jesus Christ and saying, thy will. Satan basically said it, I did it my way. But the Lord Jesus Christ would say, I did it his way. So you have to make up your mind which one of these you're on. And and that is really, this humility of mind is really an attitude. It is a disposition of your mind that alters and makes every decision that you make. And listen, You notice something he said here in chapter 20? Let's study this passage for just a moment. This portion of Scripture is very intriguing to me. You'll notice he said in chapter number 20, he said in verse number 18, he said, I have been, latter part of that verse, he said, he said, what manner I have been with you at all seasons. You know, if you're faking humility, Brother Zach, you can only do that for a little while. But if you're around somebody for three years and you're going through all the seasons of life with them, you know, you can court somebody but not really know that person. But when you are married to that person, after a few years, you have seen them in all seasons. And so what Paul is saying is, he says, hey, I didn't just fly in here and fly out and leave an impression upon you. He said, I was with you all seasons of life. You saw me in all situations and circumstances. And really and truly, it is hard to tell whether or not a person is a humble person or a proud person just by first impressions. Now, sometimes, yes, but not always. Everybody has a bad day. But we're talking about seasons of life. We're talking about week in, week out, day after day, week after week, month after month, he said, you guys know me. He said, you've watched me. And he said, I have been with you now for these three years. And notice he says, you know, and by the way, that um, manner of life, 
That word means a person's outward bearing or the way of behavior toward other people. And it means a, a person's demeanor, his pattern, his method, his style. Okay? And so look what he says here in verse number 19. He starts off by saying, and lets us know right up front, he uses the phrase, serving the Lord. Serving the Lord. What does that mean? That means His will and not mine. Being useful, profitable, fruitful, and helpful to other people. Because that's what you'll be when you serve God. You will be a blessing. God's going to use you to minister to other people. God has never called anybody to be a burden to others. God's never called anybody to make other people miserable, but to edify them and build them up and to strengthen their faith. So serving the Lord. So that's one of the ways you can look and see, do I have a humble mind? Is, is, am I clothed with humility? Do I want to serve the Lord? If I want to serve the Lord, then that means I'm serving others. Is that correct? Absolutely. And he says, and, and, and he mentions even in the tough times, he says with many tears and temptations which befell me. And so you'll notice also in verse number 20 about humility, a person that is clothed with humility, that they will be profitable. I mentioned that earlier, how I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you, but have showed you, showed you. I think that pride will manifest itself. And I think that humility will manifest itself. I think that we are better at recognizing pride than we are at recognizing humility. I'll show that to you in just a moment. You'll notice he said that word showed, verse 35. He said, I have showed you all things. How that so laboring you ought to support the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus. He said, it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. And a humble person is about... Being a blessing, about being a giver, and not being a parasite, and not being a taker. Excuse me. (coughs) Now, I think we need to study these things together real quickly. I think that it's unwise to mistake low self-esteem, your insecurities, and your feelings of inadequacy, and sometimes even your self-degrading remarks as humility. Some of the things that you say about yourself, you'd be offended if somebody else said them. Well, I, I'm nothing. I, I can't really do anything. I'm a nobody. Okay. Well, if what if I said the same thing about you to a brother and sister in the church? I say, yeah, yeah, you know, he really, he's a, he's a nothing. He's a nobody. He can't do anything. And I just agreed with you. But you got upset with me because... I only said what you said about yourself. You got mad because you didn't really mean what you said about yourself. You understand? So there's a lot of false humility going around. So it's unwise to mistake that as humility. And especially when people use that as an excuse not to get engaged or to get involved in the work of God. They say, I can't, you know, I don't know what I do. I can't do anything. Everybody can do something. Everybody can do something. You may not get to do what you want to do, but everybody can do something if you are humble enough to be 
I believe anybody can wash somebody's feet. I know somebody that did that. Who could do everything. But he washed somebody's feet. Paul had confidence and competence. But not in himself. In the Lord. He said in the book of Philippians chapter 3, he said, I have no confidence in the flesh. He said, everything about my past, he said, I count it as dung. He said, I'm not counting on my education, my heritage, my pedigrees. He said, I count all of that as dung that I might win Christ. He said, not even my own righteousness. He said, I gave that up that I might receive the righteousness which is by faith in Jesus Christ. So, that's why he could say, by the grace of God, I am what I am. So when you see people who are spectators instead of participators, and they're inactive instead of active, you're not looking at a humble person. You're looking at a person who is hiding their talent in the ground, and the Lord says, you are a slothful and a wicked servant, and you will not yield your will to my will. And you know, when you get involved with people, and when you get involved in the work of God, you're taking a risk. You're exposing yourself to some degree of getting hurt or maybe even failing a little bit here and there. You won't always do your best, but you get up and you keep going. That's why he said all manners of life in this matter. You know, I think, honestly, I'm going to give you some things about uh, humility and pride that might help you uh, tonight to look at your own heart and your own mind. For the proud, uh, when there is a disagreement, whether it be in the house, or whether it be at church, or whether it be on the job. For the proud, it's about who is right in an argument. For the humble, it's about what is right. Do you understand there's a difference here? One is self-willed, and it's my way. And the other one is, I'm concerned about His will. I'm not concerned about me being right, or you being right. I'm concerned about what is right, and doing what is right. Now that matters. As we get into the Word of God here. Therefore, a humble person may, to your surprise, speak sharply from time to time to another brother or sister in Christ. And not out of pride, but out of obedience to his Lord. You remember when, when Paul was writing to Titus and he told him, he said that when somebody starts teaching heresy <clears throat> or leading others away in the assembly, he said, you rebuke them sharply that they may be sound in the faith. So occasionally, you may have to sharply speak to someone. And by the way, I don't, I don't like doing that. It makes me feel, sometimes I feel guilty when I shouldn't feel guilty. Sometimes you have to really get on to somebody because what they're doing is hurting someone else. And you have to get in their face and you have to talk a little sharp to them more than you would want to. I don't enjoy doing that. People who enjoy doing that, there's something wrong with them. But from time to time, you have to speak sharp to someone. You may have to speak sharply to your wife. You may have to speak sharply to your son or your daughter or a brother in Christ who is, who is not doing right and is going to hurt others. So yes, a humble person is concerned about doing the will of God and protecting the people of God. Second of all, a humble mind may refuse to speak to someone at all. You say, really? Well, that sounds kind of rude. 
Well, let me ask you a question. Do you think the Lord Jesus Christ always did what was right in circumstances? Always? I do. I don't think there was anything in his life that even was a shadow of doing what was wrong. I believe he was harmless and sinless. And yet there was a time when he stood before the courts and they asked him some questions and he absolutely refused to respond. He would not answer their questions. And sometimes a man filled with humility knows that there's a time to be quiet and to be silent because he knows that if he... He knows the people who are asking those questions are not sincere and they don't really want to know the truth and that it's best sometimes just not to respond. When Jesus was reviled, He reviled not again. You don't have to be like the fool you're arguing with. Amen? You don't have to. There may come a time of when that you may have to reprove somebody, rebuke somebody, and admonish somebody like Paul did to Peter at Antioch. You gotta be able to be willing to do it, and then you gotta be willing to take it. And I saw in both of these where Paul was willing to do it, and Peter was willing to take it. You may have to do that as a parent. There are some parents who say, I love my child too much to get on to them, and that's a, that's a, that's a proud statement. That's not humility. That is not good parenting. You may have to. Then, by the way, it ought to be you getting on to them first, for we have to get on to them. Amen? And, and if you hear somebody getting on to your child because they're misbehaving or tearing something up and they have to speak pretty sharp to them and you get upset about it, then there's something wrong with you. You ought to thank God that they cared enough to say something to your child. You also may have to, and this is hard to do, you may have to mark someone. You may have to, have to name someone and identify someone who is causing division in the church and speaking slander and maybe even heresy. He said, well, Brother Roger, I don't want to get involved in, in any of those things, but listen to what the Bible says. It says, now I beseech you, brethren, mark them, mark them, which cause division. And so a humble person is an obedient person. A humble person will do the hard things, not because they want to do that, but because the Lord wants them to do that. There comes a time when you may refuse to cooperate, coordinate and with certain groups of people who have bad attitudes or maybe that are of a false religion. I know uh, there's usually an ecclesiastical group in a small towns that like to get together. I know there was in the town of, of Franklin where I used to, to live and in the town of Amory where I used to live and, and have been reached out by some groups here. But you know what? I'm not too proud to sit down with anybody to discuss the Word of God. But if you're wanting to get together and pretend that we are in agreement and you want to pretend that we're on the same page and you want to pretend we believe the same things, I can't do that because the Lord won't let me do that. The Bible says that I'm not being proud when a Jehovah's Witness knocks on my door and tells me that he wants to come into my house and give me his poison. And I say to him that uh, on the porch, and I say, look, let's discuss it right here. What about Isaiah 9, verse number 6? What about this over here? What about this over there? And he said, well, here, just take this then. And I'm going to say, no, I can't take that. And I can't even bid you to have a good day. The Bible says not to even receive them into my house, nor to even bid them Godspeed. You say, well, that's rude. No, you don't know what the Bible says, because that person is promoting something that will destroy the soul and destiny 
and eternity of another individual. If somebody came to your house and was promoting and selling a hard uh, psychedelic drug that would ruin your children and your neighbor's children, are you going to bring him in for a cup of coffee and say, well, I, listen, I know you're just trying to do what you have to do to make a living and, you know, I, I pray God speed the bless you and that you'll prosper. I'm not going to do something like that. That's foolish indeed. And so it is when it comes to you humbling yourself and doing what the Lord tells you to do. I remember Nehemiah. I love Nehemiah. Uh, he was asked by Sanballat and Geshem to come down from the wall and to meet with them so that maybe they could work out some differences. And he said, man, he said, he said, I ain't got time. I ain't got the time of day to sit down with guys like you. Now, doesn't that sound like somebody might be puffed up a little bit with pride? But he wasn't. He said, why such a, why? He said, why should such a man as I flee? And he knew that what he was doing was the will of God and the work of God, and he knew that they were the enemies of God. And so sometimes we get caught up and they accuse us of things that we're not guilty of when it comes to being prideful, divisive, quote, not getting along, not going with the flow, and not being harmonious with everybody else in the, in the situation. I'm telling you, uh, the Lord loves humble men because humility brings confidence and courage and strength. And godly women who will do what is right and not be manipulated by the world. And the bottom line is a humble person is not interested in their own agenda and their own way. But they are not interested in your way either. They're interested in His way. <coughs> I think about the three Hebrew boys. When they were asked to bow, not create a stir, and they said, sorry, can't do that. They weren't too proud to submit themselves to authority. It's the fact that the authority was asking them to do something that was contrary to the will of their father. So they had to say no. And it's like, you know, Paul said in the book of Galatians, when he got there, he said there were some Pharisees and legalists there, and they were trying to capture them and get them in a group to discuss some things. And Paul said, let me and Titus, we ain't sitting down with you. We're not subjecting ourselves to you. No, not for an hour. We're not listening to you. He said, well, that don't sound very humble. It's because you don't understand humility. Humility is, is getting in with God and staying with Him, not being arrogant, not being haughty, not on purpose being divisive. But if you're not going to walk the way God is, then you and I can't walk together. So either either I stop walking with Him and start walking with you, or either you get right with God and you walk with me and Him. Because I'm going with Him. So, I think about Daniel. I think about Daniel when they passed the law that, that no one uh, could pray. What did he do? He said, well, I need to pray about that. That's what he did. I'll tell you the greatest example in our lives of someone uh, who is humble again is the Lord Himself. Listen to this verse. Who is like unto the Lord our God who dwelleth on high? No one. That's the obvious answer. Who humbleth Himself to behold the things that are in heaven and in the earth. So it is an act of humility for God to even look down upon us. But I want you to think about the Lord Jesus Christ, desire to be likened unto Him. I think there's pride in all of us here, this room. I think we have to deal with it. I think we try to recognize it. I think we try to confess it. I think we try to overcome it. And may, may God give us grace to do so. 
But I think about the Lord Jesus Christ when He was a young man, when He was 12 years of age. The Bible says He went down with them to Nazareth and was subject unto them. And there's the Lord Jesus Christ as a young man being an example to every young person in our church that a humble young man, a humble teenager is someone who can say yes dad and yes mom and do what they are told in the Lord. Obey your mother and your father. That is a true act of humility is obedience to your parents. Even sometimes when you know a little bit more than they do about some things. It's not about knowledge. It's about a position of honor and respect. In Luke chapter 9, the Bible says that Jesus said that foxes have have holes and birds of the air have nests. He says, but the Son of Man has nowhere to even lay His head. Jesus humbled Himself and left a palace of gold and came here to not even have a certain dwelling place. I'd say that he was willing to humble himself because we're very, we're very proud of our, our belongings sometimes and our houses and our lands and our acreage and, and, <clears throat> and our square footage and what we own. And Jesus said, you know, if you were to, if you were to, uh, allow me to, to vote based upon me being able to own land, I wouldn't be able to vote in the next election because I don't own any. And so that's a very humbling thing for a man because that is how a man is driven. But Jesus was willing to lay that aside because he knew it wasn't the will of the Father. And by the way, you can't judge a man based on what he possesses or doesn't possess. You can't do that. You may be a I've seen some folks on bumper stickers say, well, if you're so wise, why aren't you rich? Wisdom does not always translate into possessions. A man can be poor and still be wise. And you can be rich and be a fool. We talk about the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister. One of the true acts of humility in your mind and your heart is that you come to church with the attitude of how can I be a blessing to other people? Pride is always looking to be served and to be treated a certain way, whereas a humble person is saying, hey, man, I want to be a blessing. I want to be a blessing. How can I be a blessing? So the Lord Jesus Christ humbled Himself and became obedient even under the death of the cross. Sometimes God will ask you to do things that are not pleasing to you and you must be willing to do those things that God has asked you to do that others might be helped. You say, well, I don't like doing that. It's not a matter of what you like and don't like. It's what does God want you to do? Luke 23 shows an example of the humility of Christ when He initiated forgiveness. A proud person demands that other people initiate it. And, well, they're the one who offended me. They're the ones who would approach me. They're the ones that need to blah, 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 blah. But the Lord said, and looked upon that crowd that was crucifying Him and prayed for them and said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Can you, by the grace of God, initiate forgiveness when there is an issue between you and a brother and a sister in Christ, even when you know 
that you didn't start it? Can you initiate the way back and, and try to resolve it? The Bible says that the Lord Jesus Christ humbled Himself to the point of where that I've given you as an example. He said, I've washed your feet. He said, I've given you as an example that you should do even as I have done to encourage your brother. Now, I want to encourage you this evening to look at your heart and see if you have this attitude of humility in your heart and mind that you are committed to the way of God or to doing it your way. I tell you what, there'd be no riffles in the church, there'd be no wrinkles in the church if everybody threw away the song, I did it my way. If everybody embraced the song, not my will, but His be done. We would all be in our place, we'd all love each other, we'd serve one another, that we might glorify God in this place. And so I hope and pray that as you look at these things and these areas of pride, that God would, would search your heart and my heart and make sure that I am in a place that God can do something with me, for me, and to me. Let me close with these thoughts. Is there any level in my life of authority that I need to acknowledge and submit to? If I'm a child, am I in submission to my parent? If I'm a wife, am I in submission to my husband? If I'm a husband, am I in submission to my headship, the Lord Jesus? If I'm a man, am I in submission to my boss? If I'm a boss, am I in submission to my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? All of us, what is our attitude towards civil government? Number two, do I care more about... Now this is a, this is a good one here. Boy, God really works me over about this. Do I care more about the opinions of man than I do about the opinion of the Lord? Jesus said to the Pharisees, He said, you know what? You love the praise of men more than you love the praise of God. Do you have ears like satellite dishes that you're always putting something out there where people will say something about you? You know what Paul said? And he wouldn't be been a smart aleck when he said this. I have to admit that I've quoted this verse sometime with a wrong attitude to some brethren. Paul said, it's a small thing for me to be judged by you. I like that. It's a small thing for me to be judged by you. Now, that's a nice way of saying your opinion means about that much to me. But I'm going to tell you what. We are very, 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 very uh, prone to be subject to how people perceive us and judge us. And boy, there's a real trap on social media because when you post something, you're immediately looking to see how many people like what you put up there, what they're going to say about you. And sometimes people put their faces on there all the time and then they want their faces doctored just a little bit. That's not what they really look like. and But they want it doctored just a little bit so that they crave the praise of other people. And boy, if you just honestly say, well, you're having a bad day today, aren't you? You don't look too good. Can you imagine the response that would come upon there to you from others? But you know what? If you're not careful, a pastor can get caught up in, in, I'm being honest with you, a pastor can get caught up with a clique, with a group of men, and worry about what they think or say about his assembly more than he does about his own people. It's a real danger. 
And number three, do I realize and recognize that what I have is from the Lord and that, that I did not get where I am by myself, that others have contributed into my life and helped me to grow and to be what I am? What does a man have that he has not received? Now, I'm not talking about your, your, your money. I'm not talking about your house. I'm not talking about your truck. I'm talking about if all that was gone, what you are, what you have, God has given to you. You've been given some gifts and some abilities that it's not... Hey, my brother was born basically a, a mild Down syndrome child. That could have been me, but it wasn't. The Lord gave him that. A gentle soul, a sweet soul. And my sister was different than me. I'm different from her. I remember when she was a, uh, in high school and I was two years under her, I had a real easy time with math and algebra. It was not a challenge for me. It was, it was a struggle for her. And so I would help her with that. And she, even though she was two years ahead of me, she's a smart, smart woman, smart lady. I'm just saying that we were different. Okay? And so, you know, you sit back and say, well, I'm just smarter than, I'm just smarter than she is. You know, that's not really what it's about because God has given each one of us some gifts and abilities to be able. I mean, you know, because, you know, they gave me two years of Spanish and 12 years of English, and I still can't speak English real good. I wish I'd have paid more attention in history when I was in school. You know, I really do. History is so valuable, so important. I wish my history teachers had made it exciting like it really is. But everybody's different. But that's even the natural realm. But in the spiritual realm, if you are graced and God is using you to minister to others, you need to thank God. And by the way, if you are mature in the Lord and God's using you, somebody helped you get there. Somebody taught you something to help you get there. And that's why at Romans 16, Paul wrote all those names in there and said these people were helpers, 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 helpers in the ministry and in the faith. Well, I want to close again with these thoughts. Can I accept God's providence in my life while He's working without murmuring and complaining? Deuteronomy chapter number 8, that passage intrigues me because it says, The Lord said, Listen, I brought you this way through the wilderness for these 40 years. I fed you with manna. He said, I've made sure your clothes didn't rot and your shoes didn't rot and your feet did not swell. He said, I did all of that so that I might humble you and that I might teach you some things so that I could use you to glorify myself. And I'm wondering, if we say that we really want to do the will of God, how much are we willing to follow Him sometimes when... Can you imagine, ladies, if you had to wear the same... You had two dresses, the one you have and the one that you are washing while you have it on. That's it. And that's for 40 years. And you only had two pair of shoes. The one that you wore, you know, while the other maybe was being repaired or being cleaned. And that was for 40 years. And how about you fellows? How about, you know, one of the greatest, hardest things for men to do is to lose their independence? I've watched people get older. One of the hardest things for them to give up was their driver's license. Because giving up their driver's license was like saying, I'm now no longer connected and be able to independently take myself anywhere that I want to go. And they really struggle with that. Independence. And so the Lord had to take them through some things to take away some of their 
free will choices. In other words, they couldn't just come and go as they please. They couldn't just live anywhere they wanted to live. They couldn't go any direction they wanted to go. They were kind of captured there. And when the pillar of fire was there by night and it stood still, they had to stay there. When it moved, they moved. And that, and that pillar by day of cloud, when it moved, they moved. When it stayed, they stayed. And manna, every day, every day you had the same meal. There are some folks that couldn't serve on the mission field because they just can't get what they want to eat. You understand? Humility is yielding yourself and letting the providence of God teach you some things to depend upon God, take away some of your independence so that you will learn to trust Him, glorify Him. And He said, now listen, I'm doing all of this so that I can lift you up and pour some blessings on you because I've taught you to trust me. And God may let you go through some hard places and some humble places. You may have to drive a vehicle for a while that doesn't belong to you. You may have to drive a vehicle that's got two different color of uh, fenders on it. You may have to do some things for a while that the world looks at and says, well, he's not doing too well. God may let you go through that just to work on your pride so you'd learn to trust him and depend on him so that when he really pours the blessings on you, you'll remember where he brought you from. And so he can trust you with the things that he's given you because he says after he told him in Deuteronomy 8, he said, after I put you through all this, he said, I brought you right here. I'm fixing to put you in a land full of milk and honey. I'm fixing to really load your wagon with some blessings. And don't you forget that I'm the one who chose you and I'm the one who loved you and I'm the one who brought these things into your life. He said, now you glorify me with these things in your life. Or can we do like it says in the book of Philippians? The Bible says, it's God who began the work, who continues the work, who'll finish the work in us. And he says, that we should do the work of God, what does it say, without murmuring and disputing. Amen? And so a lot of times our murmuring and complaining is nothing but a manifestation of pride in our hearts that we just don't agree with God how He's treating us. Rather than humbling ourselves and God saying, Lord, we don't really deserve this. You've been good to us. God give us grace. Help us to live for you. I don't think that Paul was full of pride when he said, I'm serving the Lord with all humility of mind. He said, I want to serve Him. I want to be a blessing. I want to be profitable. I want to do His will. If those are your motives, if those are your motives, if that's truly in your heart, and that is what handles your decisions, then you do have a humble mind before the Lord. Let's bow our heads. Our Father in heaven, I pray, God, that you'll take the Word of God and use it to help us, me, our people, and, Lord, that we would not be like the songwriter when he said, For what is a man and what has he got? If not himself, then he is not. And to say the things he truly feels and not the words of one who kneels. Father, I want to be the man who kneels. I want to be the man who says, Thy will be done and not my own. I don't want my life to be over and say that I did it my way. I pray, Lord, that I might be able to say I did it your way. In my life, with my finances, my family, my church, God, that I did it your way. In Jesus' holy name, amen.